0: That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash judging Megan to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince dot com slash judging Megan. And now back to the podcast.
1: Our family has grown. Welcome to the world, Hannah baby. Introducing a new collection, Hannah Soft, made with Tencel. It's so breathable.
0: Okay, you guys, I have to tell you this story. I know that I've been talking a lot lately about Pat, my mom, but honestly, I just have to share this. So when my mom leaves me a voicemail, it's not just like, like a minute long voicemail, it's like it takes up my entire voicemail message and cuts off, I think, at one point. So this is an example of my mom leaving a voicemail. We all know that she talks in the Carol Baskin accent just for the podcast, but in real life, she doesn't do this. Hi, Meg. It's your mom. So, uh, I just wanted to tell you that I'm calling you just to tell you I was, I was in Target and I ran into somebody that was telling me. Oh, wait, hold on. I need to order my coffee. Hold on. Uh, yeah. Hi. Uh, oh, I'm good. How are you today? You're good. Oh, I love that color on you. That's gorgeous. Anyway, can I get, um, a cinnamon dolce latte with extra cinnamon and a little extra dabble? Oh, I know. I order the same thing all the time. Hold on, Meg. So anyway, oh yeah, I was in here two days ago and you were helping me. And I remember that you told me that if I got the extra cinnamon... Oh, okay. Okay. Anyway, Meg, um, I I needed to tell you that Judy um, told me that if you use... Anyway, it goes on and on and on. I mean, that's just a brief example. And then it will last an hour, like to the point where my sisters and I are like, what like, what is she doing? She can't not leave a long voicemail message. So, guess what, everyone? Dr. Nay is back on. It's the Dr. Nay and Megan show. <laughs> I'm joking. I was trying to make up like some kind of theme song for whenever you come on, but I don't know. I, I, I'll come up with something eventually. How
2: are you, Dr. Nay? I'm doing great. I'm so happy to be talking with you today. There's a lot of mental health topics we're going to cover. Uh-huh. I know.
0: And you look gorgeous as always. Uh, and um, now you're doing a side bang. You're swooping okay. the bangs well, to the yeah, side. You like to yeah, mix that. it up.
2: Yeah. I, I let them grow out a little bit. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, you and look you very know. pretty as always. And thank you again for coming on the show. You know, I love having you on. And um, and so many of my guests uh, or, or so many of my um audience always reach out to me and like I've said a million times before, they're always like, how do I get an appointment with Dr. Nay? What, like, what did you do? How do you get to to uh, go to not Dr. Nay? But are you still not taking new patients?
2: Uh, right now I'm not. Yeah. You know, because I'm only one person. And yeah. I don't want to spread myself too thin because you know how devoted I am to my patients. And yes, yeah, it's, it's more about Uh, you know, quality than quantity for me. And also you have to have that
0: balance in life, right? Of work-life balance and have your own life and not be consumed with just working all the time.
2: That's right. That's for sure. And I love to write and I'm creative. And so there's, you know, there's other things besides from therapy.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And we're going to talk about that today. So I kind of wanted to talk about some current events with you just to start the show. Um, so the tennis player that's been in the news, Naomi Osaka, yes. uh, I, I think something that I think is so important is we, we always talk about the stigma with um, breaking the stigma with getting help and going to therapy and suffering from anxiety anxiety or depression. This poor young girl, right? She's 23 years old she was pushed to into the spotlight obviously from a very young age if you've seen the um the uh documentary on Tiger Woods which i actually watched on a plane um it just rem- this story kind of reminds me so much of his story just kind of and i don't know like what her situation with her parents are or anything like that but just To be in the public spotlight at such a young age and not only have to be this amazing athlete, but also to be um, criticized because you can't take the interview process.
2: So I just kind of wanted to get your two cents on that. Yeah, I mean, you know, Naomi Osaka, I mean, let's let's remember three years ago, she won the Grand Slam against Serena Williams. Right. And this should be the most amazing moment of her life. And instead she gets booed. I mean, people were actually mad at her for winning the grand slam. I remember watching it
0: and I was like, and Serena was Serena Williams was so gracious to her. Mm -hmm. I mean, but that like, it was almost like watching that. It made my skin crawl. It was like, she was embarrassed that she won. I felt like. I don't know yes. how you felt about it.
2: No, it, it's true. And so, you know, so here she is now, you know, three years later, and I, I I think she's feeling something called recognition shame. And what it is, it manifests as, like, extreme self-consciousness, and it's associated with the idea of looking at, at oneself as if through another's eyes. And so you have to imagine, here she is, she wins the Grand Slam, which, like, the most amazing accomplishment. She gets booed for it. She gets hated for it. Now she's back in the public. She's been depressed for two years. She's probably afraid to win. She's afraid to win. She's afraid to lose. And no matter what, she has social anxiety and she doesn't want to talk about it. And instead of like giving her some grace, they're like, nope, you're fine. $15,000 at the French Open.
0: I mean it's un it's unbelievable, and now and now she ha- is. Uh, who knows what's going to happen with Wimbledon?
2: Right. Well, or, they say that they don't they don't know if she's going to to go. And I mean, now she's only twenty three, so the brain dynamically grows until you're twenty five. She doesn't even have like a, a fully developed prefrontal cortex, which is like the executive functioning part of our brain that can control our emotions. Um, but it makes sense why this young woman would not want to put herself in the media. She wants to go and play tennis. And the fact that they're not valuing her mental health is, is really, is really not correct. But this is a problem. This is a problem in, in our, in
0: our culture in general, this is something Mm -hmm. like, I mean, we're going to go into your e- your ebook that you have um, talking about the trauma bond on right. in this episode. Right. But um, something I read in your book that I I could relate to, and kind of this relates to the story of Naomi Osaka, is that you did really well in school. You had to be perfect. You had to play sports. You had to yeah. do this. You put that pressure on yourself, and I think that this is a problem across the board with
2: young kids, young people, you know? Um, oh, sure, sure, sure. And and her, her family, actually, her father did what Serena and Venus's father did. He, he put the two sisters against each other. He believed that that was a good system to, you know, to get her to be the best player in the world. So I, I just think it's a lot for a young girl to hold. And just because you're a fabulous tennis player doesn't mean you have the emotional intelligence to manage all of this media coverage and, and, and hatred and glory and, and yeah, it's just too much.
0: And not to mention the fact of social media
2: like when you think
0: oh, back right? to like the original like Chris Everett all the the tennis players when i was a kid that were playing uh, Martina Navratilova granted they were a little bit older but they didn't have to they just had to do play their sport right And then they had to obviously do their interviews, but they didn't have to see the backlash of social media and the way that social media is, especially I have a hard time looking at social media sometimes and I'm in my forties. So teens, kids, 20 somethings. I mean, imagine that on top of everything else.
2: Right. And so, you know, this girl is living in the fishbowl. She's done nothing wrong. She's just saying, I don't want to speak to the media because it gives me severe anxiety. And they said, no, and I I know she signed, she signed, everybody's like, she signed a contract, but here's the thing. We have to be flexible with people, right? Like, like kind of try to work it out with her. And now she's such a lovely young woman. You know, she's, she's withdrawn from, I guess this, this one that was in Berlin. And, Who knows if she's going to go to Wimbledon. And so now this young girl doesn't really get to play tennis because she doesn't want to speak to the media. And it's also what's interesting about it is
0: it's kind of like one of those things, like it sounds great, right? You're like, oh, I'm going to be a famous star. Same thing with actors and like young kids that become famous for their acting. Most of them end up pretty messed up. Um, Not all, but a lot of them, because it's like on paper or it's everything's glamorized, right? But you don't understand once you're actually in this
2: situation, what it's really like. Right, Right, right. And I'm sure she really does have recognition, recognition shame, which she is calling social anxiety, but she doesn't want to be witnessed in that way. And I think it's okay to value that. But, you know, we're trying to change it one step at a time with mental health and good for her for standing up for her mental health.
0: Yeah. Um, Another thing I wanted to ask you about is how do you think people are doing, patients just in general, because I love to come to you for your kind of like forecast and input on COVID, post-COVID, what you think about, are you still seeing a rise in, people having major issues from COVID or are you kind of like seeing it kind of even out a little bit?
2: Well, I think that, uh, I think for, listen, for couples, it's been challenging to be, to spend that much time together, but now it's almost challenging for them to adjust to being apart, especially if they've just newly, you know, met. And I think for a lot of people, it is hard for them to transition back into life, right? Because that is happening. And and of course, we're all very grateful for that. And yeah, it's, I mean, I don't see it as intense as it was during COVID because we were also isolated and afraid, but sure. And there will be a ripple effect for years to come because of COVID. I mean, especially children that weren't in school, teenagers, young adults. Yeah, of course, because it's, it's been a traumatic year.
0: So- I mean, they talk about the suicide rates of young young adults, young teenagers. Um, something that people may not be aware of is the large shortage of hospital beds in these hospitals for teens because mm-hmm. of the rise in... Mm-hmm. And suicide. Yeah. Well, yeah, um, there's, I think
2: there's, there's been more deaths of despair, which is, you know, can be an accidental overdose or an intentional suicide, almost in COVID deaths.
0: Yeah.
2: I mean, that's the that's where we're at with that. And it's incredibly sad. But especially if you're an addict and you take away your meetings and the gym and going to work, way too much time left with the thoughts.
0: And and also, don't you think, too, I mean, I know for me, I I mean, I've obviously had both my vaccinations, um, but I still don't feel I still don't want to go in a grocery store without a mask on. I don't know why. I think I have PTSD. I just I don't I'm still freaked out by it. I also part of me is like, I don't want to get the stomach bug. I don't want to get other stuff, you know. So anytime, like the kids, it goes around school in the future, I think I will always wear a mask. I think I'm always going to travel with a mask moving forward. That's just me.
2: That's just you and good for you. But yeah, there's, there's definitely, you know, post-traumatic stress for, for so many people for so many different reasons. And the most important thing is like, I always say to everybody and I'll say it again. If you're feeling like that, go get help.
0: Yes. Yes. Yeah. So important. I mean, we talk about it. This is the third time you've come on my show. And I've talked about this every episode that therapy saved my life, um, that I am still working through it. I am still in therapy with you. Um, I have my, my good weeks and my bad weeks. Last week, I had a bad week and we talked about it. And, um, I'm going to be doing something called EMDR, which I've never done before, but I think this will kind of help me with my past, um, you know, trauma that I dealt with as a young kid. And I'm very open, obviously on this podcast about what I'm doing to try and help my own mental health. And Dr. Nay is literally like saved my life so i say that all the time and i'm so grateful and you know that um thank you but i did want to go into your book about the trauma bond so um i read it i loved it I think it's extremely helpful. There were like, I even was screenshotting stuff and sending it to my sister, Peggy, who, you know, to try and get Peggy to like read it. And um, so I'm sure she will, because she's a huge fan of yours. But what, what the way that it starts, I mean, I literally took like little notes. And I was like, Oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh. Do you mind kind of like, talking about because everyone knows that there was a very famous movie that we've talked about and this this is what you're known for, The Wolf of Wall Street. If somebody is a new listener and they've never listened before, uh, Dr. uh, Nay is actually the real life Margot Robbie or no, sorry, I'm getting that mixed up. Margot (laughs) Robbie (laughs) (laughs) Margot Robbie portrays you in the movie. So you're the real person. Right. So you experienced all of that stuff in the movie, a lot of it's not, you know, it's a movie. But reading the book um, kind of made me go, oh, my gosh, like, that's what you went through? I mean, they, you, you, in the movie, they don't really touch on the beginning when he was really wooing you and when the trauma bond starts, right?
2: Right, 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 right. Because, um, you know, the, the thing about trauma bonding and trauma bonds it's basically what it is, is that they're highly dysfunctional and abusive relationships where what, and what actually happens is there's a breach of trust. There's a betrayal, maybe an exploitation abuse that happens within that relationship, but it starts out passionate and exciting. If it's a love relationship, which it can happen in other relationships, it doesn't have to be in a love relationship. And so the love bombing is really the tricky part because it's almost like a luring or a grooming. For me, it was really interesting because Jordan would send me like literally a whole apartment full of flowers or he would be like, here's $15,000 cash. Just go shopping just for the fuck of it. I was like, what couldn't even spend it all. I mean, I bought my mother a stereo. I was like, what am I? doing? Gonna- <laughs> this is ridiculous. And he whined and dined me. And, And it just was, you know, and it's, and what happens with love bombing is that it happens at a really fast pace and it almost puts you in a hypnotic trance because, because you don't, it's just happening and the euphoria and the dopamine and the oxytocin that's happening. And, and there's a real rhythm to it because the the people that are doing it, they want to seduce you in a fast way so that you don't really figure out who they are.
0: Well, when I read, when I read the story of how he, so he met you, right? And he, he was like, it was almost like you were an object. Like he had to have you. So he had a friend of his pretend like, you know, like you were just, he was randomly at a restaurant and you and your friend were at this restaurant. So he manipulated you from the very start. So. The very next day after this date, which, by the way, like he had loads and loads of money. Any woman, any 22 year old woman, right, that's young, starting out, you were a model and an actress living in your like tiny, teeny, tiny apartment. Brooklyn. That's right. Anybody. I mean, I remember in my own life when I was young, I dated a celebrity and I could relate to that story. One time he was like, do you want to go shopping? Here's a bunch of money. And I was like, what? Like, I didn't know what to do. I didn't take it because I thought it was really kind of freaky and I didn't understand that. But it is like it is like manipulation from the very start where you weren't just this you know, you weren't just, you weren't a person, you were an object that he had to have, right? which I found like fascinating. And then the very next day, he bought you some, like, a $15,000 watch and filled yeah. your apartment with flowers.
2: Is that yeah. accurate? Yep. 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 He did that. He did that. And then also, you know, and then there's another process that a lot of people don't know about and it's called twinning, where I was like, oh, I love to play tennis. I love to play tennis. Or I like Italian food. I love Italian food, right? So it's like, you just feel like, oh my God, this person is my soulmate because my God, look at how many things we like together. Like, like I, I found myself a unicorn. Like, this is just unbelievable that he likes everything I like.
0: And, and he was a wolf in sheep's clothing. Like, that's the thing. He was like, he was twinning you in order to- get you in, under his spell. You were right. 22, 23 years old. Right. And then once you were under the spell, right, mm-hmm. then it was like, let's get married. You're like, I'm not ready. I don't want to get married. It, like just all of this stuff that I read that was, it's just, it's no wonder you kind of got yourself into this into this situation and then you were trapped.
2: Right, because what happens then once, the, once uh, you know, they lure you in, then the threats and the coercion start. And then it was like, okay, well, you're not going to marry me. You know, If, you, if you're if you not going to marry me, I'm not going to date you. I was like, what? I don't want to get married. My parents had gotten divorced when I was very young, and I really didn't want to get married till I was 30. And I was like, okay, I'll give in then. Okay, but I'm not going to marry you if you're not going to have kids. And I was just like, what? And and for me at that moment, you know, I had grown up in a pretty calm home, so I wasn't used to this. And I just was like, Oh, okay, okay. You know, because he was he was more powerful than I was, and that's the thing about a trauma bond. Um, There was a power differential. He was older. He was wealthier. He was only five years older. But I was just like, okay, okay. You know, but inside my intuition said no. But really, you know, I was I was no match for him, and I did love him. Yeah, so I thought I loved him.
0: Yeah, I mean, yeah. you were so young. You talk about in the very beginning of the episode, that your brain isn't even fully developed at that age.
2: No, it's not. It's not. And, and, and then the gaslighting, it, which is, which is really the hardest part because gaslighting is when they, uh, you know, they basically deny your reality. Mm-hmm. And So, you know, then, you know, nobody falls in love with a person, a drug addict. He started to do drugs much, much, much more as time went on. And, When I would confront him about the drugs, he'd be like, oh, my God, you're over-exaggerating. I'm not even doing it that much. You know, you're being too sensitive, which is it, which is too sensitive, which is whole
0: nother thing, right? Right. That we, that we, that we talk about. Yeah. Like saying you're too sensitive. So then you start to doubt yourself and go, well, maybe
2: I I am, am, maybe I am. And then, you know, the the number one way you really know that someone's a narcissist too is when I tried to put up boundaries about when to get married, when to have children. I mean, those are life-altering decisions. He just plowed through them. No boundaries. Like, no, and you you can't have boundaries with someone like that. And that's a really important thing for your listeners to understand because any relationship needs to have healthy boundaries. But he was not, he was not, you know... (laughs) he was not tolerating that at all.
0: Yes. How did you get to the point? I mean, I know that we've talked about it in a different episode where he attempted to throw you down the stairs and that was your point of enough. But before you got to that point, when you were a mother of two tiny children, were you like, you must have been like, at the point, your breaking point. I mean, being that young, having everything that you've, like any materialistic object, a, a yacht named after you, airplanes, yeah. like all the things or helicopters, whatever you had at your fingertips. Yeah. Was yeah. that kind of your way of being like, well, I have this, this, and this? I'm too afraid to leave. Or was it, can you, you go know, into that?
2: I mean, like, I, I really did enjoy the, um, of course, having the money and the, the freedom that it allowed me. But the money then became a trap because um, because um, there's there's a really important uh, personality quiz called the, the five-factor personality quiz. And it measures things like neuroticism, openism, openness, uh, um, extroversion, agreeableness, and conscientiousness. And there's a lot of research now that shows that women that score super high And conscientiousness and agreeableness; these men find women like that. And so, when I took that test, I scored very high on that. And so, yeah, the money was fun, and we had fun with our friends. But I wasn't afraid necessarily to leave the money, as I was that I didn't trust what he would do to me once I left him. Yeah, that's really you know, and I and I was trying to make it work because I was people pleasing and accommodating. Uh, I thought that's, you know, the way to get him to listen to me, but that nothing worked. I mean, it it didn't matter what I did. So, um, I was just, every day I was like negotiating with myself. Well, if I try this, maybe he'll change. If I try this, maybe he'll change. You know, maybe he'll change once we have kids. Maybe he'll change once this and it just nothing worked. And then he Because a narcissist-
0: Yeah. And, and narcissists can never change. Right. I mean, we've talked about well, that before. I mean, they,
2: I mean, some of them can, you know, I really think on the level of, of the narcissism. And, you know, I think that narcissists are very wounded people. So I don't want to speak about, uh, you know, any person like that in a callous way. But, but I think the important thing is to bring recognition to what it is, because it's caused by, you know, early trauma, you know, so Jordan's dad raged a lot and his mom was, try- I think, just trying to keep the home quiet. So there was a lot of things that went into it for him. Do you have patients that come
0: in to see you and you are like in your head, like you're a narcissist, I can't change you or I can change, like I can as help you change? Like what, how do you deal oh, sure. with? how do you deal with a patient like that? I mean, that must, is that like years and years of therapy?
2: Yeah. I mean, listen, I believe that anybody who comes to therapy and wants to change can change. Mm -hmm. I do. And I'm very, if if not, especially if I'm working with couples or if a person comes in that has some, you know, we would say cluster B tendencies, which I'm sure I did. I think I was histrionic if I was going to diagnose myself, Mm -hmm. um, That's another cluster B personality. I will, depending upon their level of ego strength, I'm very straight with people and I tell them, you know, I think that this is what's happening and, you know, you you lack empathy and let me explain to you what it means in a very non shaming way because, I mean, that people, if they're coming to therapy, they want to change.
0: Yeah. Or, or sometimes people are coming to therapy because it's their, their couple and it's their last stop. Yeah. Right? It's
2: their last stop. And it's yeah. their last stop. Right. And so, yes, I will certainly, I mean, I've, I've handed out pieces of paper. You're a vulnerable narcissist. You're an agentic narcissist to the couple. Read about it. Learn about each other. And it's okay. Because yeah. listen, you have to be able to be transparent and speak the truth. Um, You know, I write in my book, I wish that when I met Jordan 25 years ago, that my therapist would have said to me, you're in a trauma bond.
0: But we've talked about the therapist at the time, that that's part of why you went into, you went, you became a therapist because you started to like look into it, right? And figure out this isn't the way it's supposed to go.
2: Right, right, right. So... uh, yeah, I think it's very important. That's just the type of therapist that I am. Um, and you know, there's that whole Woody Allen movie that's out, and uh, it's very disconcerting when you see Mia Farrow going to all the therapists that really don't confront him. And I
0: haven't seen that yet. I really want to. Very see good. It. It's very good. Yeah.
2: And so I mean, listen. It's. I learned from Jordan. I always say the wolf was my Buddha. I have two beautiful children. And we all came out the other side, but it's very important to to learn about trauma bonds and pathological relationships. So you don't get into one or you know how to get out of one or, you know, the signs of one. Something also was
0: um, that, you know, just reading it and just like working on my own self that a trauma bond doesn't necessarily have to be a man and a woman, a romantic relationship for me. True. I think that I've had relationships or you know, my relationship with the one friend, which was a trauma bond. Mm-hmm. Um, And I, you know, we talk about, um, you know, I mean, it's not love bombing in the same way, but it's like, Oh, you do this. I do this too. Like I yes. was thinking about my own relationship and like how I was like, wow, like I feel manipulated and, you know, This can happen in friendships. This can happen in love relationships. It can happen in families Mm -hmm. between parents and children,
2: right? Right. That's right. Yeah. Because any form of relationship where there's a power differential, it can happen. You know, when one person has more power than the other and that person takes advantage of that power and abuses it and betrays the person or exploits them and then and then also bringing up what we kind of touched on earlier
0: saying you're the too sensitive thing like for me um in my friendship i was told oh just snap out of it like you're t- she's you're just being too sensitive megan because she's not including you and she didn't include you in this like trip to croatia with all these other couples that used to be your friend you know like that for me was like my breaking point, and we've talked about it. Obviously, I'm in a very different place now, and I don't really care about the person anymore. But, yeah. um, but it, but it, like, like doing the work on myself, I had to realize that if you're in these situations, whether it be friendships, whether it be a love, like romantic relationship, you have to own your part in everything,
2: right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I had to own my part. That was the only way I got through it. Um, was was saying, okay, Nadine, you are really alone in this. You got yourself into this. You have to get yourself out. And that's why the second half of my book talks about taking your power back. And, and when I say power, I don't mean like greed. And I mean, having influence over yourself. That's the definition of power, okay? Mm-hmm. And so, and, and, I, and I describe ways to cultivate self-love. Because we talk about self love all the time, you know, and well, you got to love yourself, you got to love yourself, well, you know, but there's a system for loving yourself, <laughs> and you have to give yourself what was not given to you, and you have to learn because we don't teach people how to have healthy relationships, and so I kind of delineate a whole system of how to actually learn to love yourself
0: so that how how long did it take you to get to a place where you, you were, got to the final point of acceptance. I mean, we're still human beings. Like we're not going to be like, Oh, I'm infatuated with myself, you know, like, oh, there's
2: yeah. yeah. Right. Right. I mean, so, so the way I look at it is that uh, we all swing between pride and shame. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, my pride thing was like, Oh, I'm a good girl. I do everything right. And then my shame thing was like, I have no needs. And so I think I just realized like, you know what, Nadine, you're just a normal person and you're just an average person in the middle and you have to get to know who you are. What are your ideals, your values, your ambitions? And, um, and I discovered who I really was aside from how society and my family had conditioned me. And so I'm still working on myself every single day. I mean, my God, it's like, first of all, just be married. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> work on yourself. Right? Yeah, we're
0: all we're all a work in progress. I mean yeah. you, we kind of talked about in the beginning. Um, like we're both happily married, thank God. But um but like My husband and I have had some like doozy fights lately, like to the point where I did like two days ago, I like wasn't speaking to him. (laughs) And I'm so bad about not speaking to my husband for long periods of time. I can't be mad for a long time because I have that thing from my childhood where I'm constantly scared that something's going to happen to somebody. And if like I don't make up with them, like what if they died? That's. Yeah, that's my stuff that I'm working yeah, through.
2: Right, um, right, right. And, you know, Megan, you bring up a good point, and, I, and I did want to touch on this, too, is that, um, you know, this you're too sensitive thing. So, you know, if you've grown up with a lot of complex PTSD, right, you're going to be sensitive
1: mm-hmm.
2: because you've just endured a lot and, and you might be more emotional. And there's also something called, you know, a highly sensitive person which we know that I think 20%, you know, of the population in America are highly sensitive people and they're born like that. Those are their genes. Right. And I don't understand why all of a sudden like emotions, feeling emotional is a curse word. Yeah. Well, I think, I think that, I wish
0: I wasn't this way. I'm in that 20%. I know I'm highly sensitive. I know it stems back after working with you all this time from my diagnosis of complex PTSD, um, just from all this stuff in childhood. Um, I wish that I could just be one of those people that's like, what? You didn't invite me? Or I just don't, who cares? But that's just not who I am. And the good parts of me that I like about myself or I'm learning to like about myself are the fact that I am so sensitive. I, and I do have a lot of empathy and I genuinely like care about other people. So I don't necessarily think that it's a bad thing. Now I'm starting to learn like, like through working with you and all the stuff that I'm doing that I am like, I didn't like myself for my whole life. Like I didn't, I was like, all I cared about was my physical appearance. Um, you know, like like having the right clothes, having the right cars. And then when you get to a certain age, you know, granted, like I just talked to you in the beginning of the show about stuff I just did to my face. (laughs) I still, (laughs) I still care, obviously care about my physical appearance a great deal, but I am starting to be like, like, oh my God, like, that's, I kind of like that I do that. I kind of like that I'm sensitive and I care about other people and myself. Right. So it's not necessarily like a bad thing.
2: No. And I think the thing is that, you know, the process of therapy is that you really learn about yourself so you can know yourself. And then you're like, okay, I'm going to accept these parts. And these are the parts that I want to work on. Mm-hmm. Right. So for me, I think that I was, you know, like really looking for Jordan for my um, security and identity. And that was not fair because that wasn't fair to him because you can't really love someone if they don't reveal themselves and you don't know them. And since I didn't know myself, we, that put us in a bind, too. And so for me, I needed to work on. um really educating myself and finding my career and being independent in that way. And that was my growth that I needed. And everybody needs different sorts of things, right. To reach their unique potential. What, what do you say to,
0: what would you say to a listener of mine or, um, or somebody that might be struggling right now? I know that there's so many people that are struggling just because I hear from people all the time and maybe they message me or they're like, Oh, how do I get to, how do I get a session with Dr. Nay? Mm-hmm. Um, And I think I've talked about it in the past episodes. If you can't, if you go to therapy and you don't like your therapist, it's like dating. So you need to give yourself a few dates or more than a few dates. Like I am open about, being in therapy as a kid just because of all the loss I went through and then I've gone to some in my adulthood when I lost Julie and they just sit there and take a pen and you're like why am I in therapy what a waste of money you really have to find the right one so what are what's some advice for some of my listeners that might be listening to this and can and are like in the midst of being in a trauma bond themselves what's something that they can do for themselves today
2: so So the first thing that you could do for yourself is reach out to a therapist or somebody who's an intern, right? We've spoken about that, that if you can't afford therapy, you know, I went for years to Codependence Anonymous, which is free um, because, you know, when you're in a trauma bond, you need validation for what you're going through. And it's really hard to validate yourself if you're being, if your mind is being twisted. So it's really important to not feel shame, first of all, about being in it. You know, it, it, I'll tell you this brief, quick story. It's because it's really interesting. I was getting my nails done, and this—I was looking at my. I'm always reading when I'm getting my nails done. And this beautiful young Vietnamese girl. It's like, oh, what do you do? I said, I'm a therapist. And when she just started to talk, I said, oh yeah, I wrote this book about trauma bonds, and she goes, "What's a trauma bond?" And I said, "Well, it's you know, you when you're in a relationship and someone." uh, cheats on you or betrays you or hurts you and then tells you you're crazy. And then all of a sudden I saw her eyes go so sad mm. and I go, you're in a trauma bond. She goes, I am. And like, it was that moment of just her, me validating her. I didn't know her from, I mean, the fact that I ended up there was amazing. And then I sent her my book, um, of course for free and checked out. And she was like that those five minutes of talking with you changed that was five minutes. So reach out to people that know about this sort of thing because there is help. And don't be ashamed. You know, a lot. there's a lot of, um, I know I felt this a lot. Like I felt very shameful about being in a trauma bond. I didn't know what it was back then, but being married to, to my ex-husband. And shame is really hard because it feels like you're broken. But nobody's broken. Nobody's broken. You know, we might feel hurt, but there. You know, we need people. We need each other. So there's research that shows if once you just pick up the phone to dial for help, you already start to feel better. I love I love that
0: advice because it, it therapy is expensive. So um, you know, there are free resources like you said, where people can reach out for help. Um, And it's just the beginning. So yeah, yeah. And don't be
2: afraid to have self-confrontation. It's okay. It's okay, you know, and you you will get through this if you're willing to dig in and do the work.
0: If you got through COVID, right, and you were stuck in a house (laughs) for, (laughs) you can do anything, you can do it. If you're if you listening to birth, this and you're struggling, you could do it. Yeah. If you've given, if you've given birth, if you have had cosmetic uh, work <laughs> to your face, you can do, I'm joking. I'm sorry. Yeah, I had to, you know me and anybody can do it. It's just about taking the first step to, to realize it's like what, going into AA or realizing you have a problem. It's the first step. And once you've gotten through that first step and you go, you know, like for me, I didn't have a choice. I was in a doc- I was in my friend Lizette's office, like crying, and not in a place where I wanted to go on. And she looked at me and she goes, "You, you need to go see Doctor Nay." And then I took the f- my first step of going, okay, and calling you up. That's right. And th- the rest is history. Three okay. years later. <laughs>
2: Here we
0: are. and we're now. I'm now. Like on a serious note, I'm living out like my dream right now. I love being creative. I love doing this podcast. I don't think I could have had the courage to do this a few years ago because I would have cared so much about what other people thought of me or made fun of me or whatever it is that people would think. But now I'm just kind of like, I love doing this. I love talking to my guests. I love having Dr. Nay on. So, so much can happen once you start to like take control of your own life and realize that therapy is not something to be embarrassed about. It's a, it's something that's going to help you. And, and, and everybody, in my opinion, our world would be so much better if everybody went to therapy.
2: Right. That's right. And, you know, you know, we're talking about trauma bonds and, um, we want, I wanted to bring up this fantastic, fun story about this therapist in New York, Vanessa Rice. Oh my God,
0: I love this.
2: Yeah. Who's 47 years old. And I think she was engaged to someone who was a narcissist. And, and um, so what she decided to do, she ran 285 miles across nine New York counties, raising awareness about narcissistic abuse in a wedding dress. Because she ended up canceling, I think this is going to be her third marriage, she ended up canceling the engagements of the narcissist, who I think bleached her clothes and did some really crazy stuff. Ugh. And so she ran. I mean, that's so amazing.
0: So how do you, you how, how do you follow her? follow her? What is her? Didn't you okay. tell me like her well,
2: website? She has something called org. So if you feel like you're in a trauma bond, or if you just feel like you're just... Not yourself. You're, you're feeling overwhelmed. You're feeling sad. You're feeling depressed. You're just feeling like, hey, maybe I need a change. But she specifically works with teletherapist.org. Um, she connects you with people in your state that work with narcissists. But I just thought that was so genius. The picture of her,
0: it, so great in the way. I know, in the sneakers and the wedding dress. Yeah. Thank
2: you, Vanessa. That
0: is. Thank awesome. you. I love her. I want to have her on the podcast. You tell um, you. Good. Okay, so I so in closing, I wanted to find out if, if somebody wants to um get your book, how do they get the book?
2: Okay, so they can get the book by going to my website, website Nadine Macaluso.com or on my link tree. It's an ebook form right now. And what I really love about my book too is that I didn't write it like a typical book. As you know, Megan, there's like tons of images and color. Yeah. yeah. And also there's links where you can, you know, take quizzes and it gives you a, a checklist to see if you're in a trauma bond. Um, you can click on a link that will give you a self-compassion meditation. So there's a lot of interactiveness with it. And then probably in like two weeks, the hard copy will come out.
0: I can't wait. Oh, I, love, so I love the cover, by the way. It's so good. <laughs> and, and, and there's such beautiful pictures of you in the book and, and just like flashback. If you've seen the movie, um, Wolf of Wall Street, you get to see like some pictures of Dr. Renee when she was young. And it's kind of cool. Like, you know, when you see a movie and then there's the real life story, you always want to see like what the characters really look like. So that was cool to me to see those pictures.
2: Yeah, and I wanted to make it very interactive and engaging and, you know, to offer hope to people that, you know, you might be stuck in something, depression, anxiety, a bad relationship. There is a path out. There's hope. There's hope. There's always hope. And that's why I love my job because, and I say this at the end of my book, you know, because I, I, I get I, I self-disclose a lot. And I say, you know what? Like, I realize I'm a person that I'd rather do something that feels valuable to me than to make a lot of money. It drives my husband crazy. He's like, charge more, charge more. I'm like, no, I want it affordable. You know? And so you learn all these things about yourself through this process. And so um, it was a long time coming to write it. And I'm glad I did it.
0: And it's a, it's so good, and I'm just so grateful
2: that you, um,
0: it's the Doctor Nay and Megan show. <laughs> I love that. That's the theme song. Everyone, I'm still working on it. I'm still working on it. Um, but yeah. it's so cool that we have this, um, you know, doctor-patient relationship where I'm still in therapy, which we talk about. Thank God, you're you went you went into. I can't speak English. Thank God you decided to become a therapist because you really have helped so many people. And then the book, ladies and gentlemen, is a really good book. I I read it fairly quickly and um and I just loved it. So what? Um, order mean, it short. now. And it's short. Yeah, it's, it's, if I can read it quickly, then anybody oh, can oh, read okay. it. It so funny. Um, but in closing, I just wanted to say... Keep living, keep praying, and keep growing. Thanks, Dr. Nay. Oh, it's my pleasure.
1: Our family has grown. Welcome to the world, Hannah Baby. Introducing a new collection, Hannah Soft, made with Tencel. It's so breathable, with stretchy comfort for all of baby's first moments, and it's cool and gentle on their skin all year round. Entrusted Hannah quality. For your most precious gift. Hannah Soft. Made to last. Shop now at hannahanderson.com.